Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. We're going to get right into this word as we always do on Wednesday night, and then we'll have a worship video afterwards. And you're certainly going to worship and want to worship after you hear this word. All right, everyone, open your Bible to 1 Timothy or your electronic device to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart that has been burning. And we're going to continue to do so even into the spring. And we're very, very excited about it because it's going to help everyone that names the name of Jesus. All right. First Timothy, chapter three, verse 15, King James Version. Read it with me. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, again, an opportunity that you have afforded us to be together under your word, in your presence. We know that transformation can only happen by the power of your word. So we will be changed. Our minds will be renewed, refocused, and we will have clarity as concerning our time and purpose in the earth right this moment. Anoint the teacher, the preacher to prophesy, to declare what thus saith the Lord and allow the ears to be anointed to hear, the hearts anointed to receive so you can get the precious fruit. In Jesus name, we all pray and say amen. All right. Bless your hearts tonight. You may be seated. We still have uh, behind me a graphic of grace to finish. Tonight we're talking about the church of the living God. That's the Subtopic, the church of the living God, the church must finish and we will. We must finish what God put us on this earth to do. The church. The purpose of the church is not just having church. There is a purpose for the church and this is going to help you. So Paul is telling his son in the ministry, his protege, Timothy, if I tarry long, I want you to know something so you can convey this to everybody else. I'm telling you this and you're not to keep this to yourself. So so I like Paul. I'm telling you, everyone that's listening and watching, I'm telling this to you. I'm sharing this with you so you can share it with other believers, because it's important that you share what you have learned. And in particular, this type of message tonight. So the King James Bible records the first person to ever mention the word church to be Jesus Christ in Matthew 16, 18, when we get the famous quote where Jesus says, I say unto you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia, ekklesia, and it means an assembly, Write this down. It's an assembly of people God called out and chose as his family in which he lives and works. I'll read that again. The church, the ecclesia, it means the called out people, people God has called out, selected and chosen to be his family in which he lives and works. 
Remember Paul said in Acts, it's in God that we live and move and have our being. We are, the church is the family of God. The church isn't the place we go and have church and do church. The church is the family of God, the called out, separated people that God has chosen to be his family. We are chosen. We are separated. We are called out from among the ordinary and have become the family of God. It's important that you and I remember and know that we are the family of God. You're not just Baptist, Methodist, Pentecost. No, you're the family of God. We, this is a problem. This is, this is, that's been the focus, and that's why much of what's going on has gone on, because we have not remembered or even been taught that we are the family of God. The church is the family of God, the church universal, not just this church and not just your church. The calling out and the separating that God does is for the purpose of worship and service. Of course, it's broader than that, but tonight we're going to talk about worship and service. Worship and service. The God of the Hebrews, and by the way, Hebrew means people from beyond. A people from beyond. That's a whole other teaching. But God called the Hebrews out from beyond and separated them to be his people. So when they get into Egypt, they are not Egyptian. They are not like the Egyptians. They are a different separated people among the Egyptian people. And so Egypt, and some of you know this, and some of you need to be reminded, and some of you may not know, that Egypt symbolizes the world. And the Egyptians symbolize sinners. Now, let me just say this right away for those that are watching that may be in Egypt or Egyptian. I am not saying you're wicked and you're evil and you're a sinner. I'm not saying that. Please don't take it that way. But symbolically in this particular scenario or scenario, Egypt represents the world and the Egyptians represent sin or sinners. So God tells Pharaoh or tells Moses really to tell Pharaoh to let my people go into the wilderness so they can what? Sacrifice or worship him. So we're seeing already the concept and the idea of being separated. God says, I, you can't worship me in Egypt. I have to separate you before you can worship me. You can't worship me in bondage. You got to be free to worship me, God says. I got to get you away from the world. That's why we come to church. It's an act of separating ourselves. We have to leave Egypt and be separated in order to adequately and sufficiently worship, learn about God. So again, in Exodus 3.18b, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. We cannot worship God in Egypt. Let us just at least go three days out of your influence. 
Let us go far enough where we can't hear your music. Let us go far enough to where your culture doesn't influence what we're doing. I'm talking real good. I know you're writing it down. listening. Let us go three days far enough to where we forget about Egypt. So we can focus totally on God. We can't focus on God while you got your beast, the, the beats, the beats and the bass so high and you're playing worldly music. We can't think about God. We can't think about God when the TV is so loud and you're watching good times. They really ain't good times anyway. That's a whole nother thing. I don't want to get stuck there. Because I can't stand that show good. That ain't no good times. Okay, so. That's a trick of the devil to make you think living in the projects all your life is cool. Good times. Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. I'm, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. So worship here is described as offering God sacrifices. I'm not saying living in the projects is horrible. I'm, don't, don't, don't email me. Don't do that. So worship is described as offering sacrifices to God. Now, in Exodus chapter five, verse one, Moses and Aaron go and tell Pharaoh again. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may watch this. Hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Now, God goes from offering sacrifices to him to them holding a feast. Or a festival. Unto him. So now worship is described as a festival. Serving God is described as a feast. Now hear this, hear this well. When the world has a feast or a festival, it's marked with eating, drinking, and entertainment. And if we're gonna be all the way real about it, it's gonna be some alcohol, might be a little powder, might be a little weed. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you watch the. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna be, be nice. So the, when the world has a festival, it's a party. And, and that party is to, is to the, the purpose of it is to take your mind off all your problems. That's why people call it having a good time. Because regular life ain't so good. Ordinary life isn't so good, so I got to have a party so I can have some good times. You following me so far? Now, when the church has a feast or a festival, the focus is on God. We celebrate him for who he is and what he's done. So that's what makes it worship and not entertainment. Let me say it again. When the world has a festival or a feast, it's a party and the focus is us. That's why people go around and say, you had a drink yet? You tasted this? You tasted them chicken wings you had? Because the focus is us. Everybody wants us to have a good time. So everyone is asking each other, have they had what supposedly is going to make them feel good? You know, back in the day, back in the day, we had house parties, black light parties. <laughs> we're going to take you, we're going to take you past this. Though. I know we're going to leave you stuck there. You know, it, it wasn't cool to be, have your back up against the wall. Come on, somebody. 
Somebody come to you and say, you want to dance? You having a good time? You want to drink? Because everyone wants you to take your attention off everything else but having a good time. Everything else but you. And if the brother got smooth rap, if he spit real good, he wants you to take your attention off all the other brothers and focus your attention on him. So the world's parties are about us. The world's festivals are about us, but the church's festivals are about God. Now, please understand that when we come to church, then the focus must be God. It can't always be what you're going through. We want to hear five horrible testimonies. We want to hear how bad the devil been beating you up. It ain't about that. This is about him. We are his family. Why are you in, 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 in the family dinner, sitting at the dinner table talking about another family? When God has been real good to us. Now, I'm going to turn a corner here. Understand this and write this down. So when the world has a party or a festival, it's all about entertainment. Say entertainment. Entertainment. Entertainment is for amusement. Amusement literally means diverting your attention away from serious business. That's why people love Disney World. It's a fantasy. Can I tell you, Disney World is not real. Mickey Mouse is not real. I oh, see y'all got quiet. There's a person inside that costume that's not Mickey Mouse. See, see, all amusement is for the purpose of diverting our attention from serious business. And when your life is not aligned with God, you don't like much of the business you have to conduct. So you love being entertained and amused. This is why people get hooked on drugs and do drugs. Life serious, the seriousness of life they cannot handle. So then they amuse themselves and divert their attention with drugs, alcohol, and sex and gambling, which is Egyptian, which puts you in bondage. So today, like never before, like never before, entertainment is diverting people's attention away from serious business. This is why mm -mm -mm. this is why people uh, in my generation can't understand when we go to certain stores and they have a vest on that says on the back. Can I help you? And then we ask, can you help us? And you don't know what you're doing. You're not there for serious business. Why are you there? I didn't leave my house to come to the store. I had some business to take care of. Can you help me with my serious business? But you, you know. And, and so we live in a time where the enemy loves to divert our attention. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He doesn't want us to be about our father's business. Corona is a big demon that has disrupted much of kingdom business. 
And let me just tell you what I've been saying off and on and more frequently as time has gone on. It's time to get back to church and do the father's business. Amen. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus speaking. He says, let your light so shine before men. Watch this that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have serious works to do that God calls good works. If we don't get back to doing good works, how is the Father going to be glorified? If the church no longer does good works, how is the world going to know what good works look like? Write this down, please. It's a strong statement, but it's a strong word. Only, and I don't mind saying that, only the church has the capacity for good works. Everybody else, you know, I mean, I know, I know people are struggling. When the Red Cross does good works, I'm not here to fight that. I'm just telling you, only the church can do kingdom business. Just because you got a cross and it's red don't mean God is in it. Just because it's a cross on the top of the building doesn't mean God's in the building or God's people gather in that building. But I do know based on scripture that those that are the family of God have the capacity to do good works. Why? Because God is in us. If you've got God in you, you can do good works and should be doing good works. Good works. Is kingdom business. Write that down. Simply stated. Good works is kingdom business. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus gives the parable about kingdom business. He talks about a master that has servants he gives two coins to and tells them, and here's the Elizabethan or the King James language, occupy until I come. That's in Luke 19. Occupy until I come. What that word means or those words mean, occupy, means do business. Until I return. Do kingdom business till I come back. The church should be about kingdom business. Now think now with me and stop. Let's take inventory. How much of what the church does is really kingdom business? And you may have to think about that all night. You may wake up in the middle of the night thinking about how much of, yeah, well, I love my church. I love what we do. I love how it makes me feel. But how much of what we do is kingdom business? We are to do business with the grace gifts and the anointing that God has put on our lives. We are to use the gifts, the coins. It, the parable is about coins. It's about valuables. God has given every one of us valuable gifts. Are we using them to advance the kingdom? Or are we using them to entertain the world or worldly people that sit in the pews? Oh, heavy, deep. Are we entertaining each other? Or are we worshiping God together? You want to know how you can tell the difference between us entertaining each other 
and us ministering to each other? Okay. Who, who wants to know the difference? Raise your hand. Everybody should. Raise your hand. The difference is when we entertain each other, we only feel good for the moment. But when we minister to each other, we're changed. So you want to know why there's not more transformation happening in many churches, all churches? Because there's a lot of entertainment and a lot, not, not much ministry. Matthew 6, the famous scripture that all believers know by heart. But seek ye first, Jesus is speaking again, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things everybody else wants will be added to you. So God, through Jesus, tells us right off the top, you need to think and do kingdom business first before you entertain and amuse yourself. Oh, how strong this word is. We got to be serious and do kingdom business before you want to feel good about yourself. But too, T-O-O, many churches want to have a good time bucking and shouting and make you feel good emotionally first. All these praise breaks. Give me a break with your praise. You ain't living nothing. You're not obeying God. You're not doing serious kingdom business. You just come to church to do your little thing and sweat. And then say, Lord, did we have church? But what did you learn that you can leave and do kingdom business with? What did you get that increased your knowledge of God and your ability to serve God and knowledge of being in the family of God? What did you get? You want to know how we can tell? If we're learning and growing in knowledge and grace, you want to know how? You want to know how you can tell if you're not? Let me, let me say this. If you're not growing in knowledge and grace, it means you don't know how to get along with other brothers and sisters in the church. You don't know that's your family. You be dysfunctional. Now, there may be things that hit you and you're off your game a little bit, but you ain't going to stay <laughs> unforgiving, upset, frustrated, angry. I ain't never talking to him. You're not growing. You don't understand. You're not, you don't understand how serious this is that God made you and I a part of his family. He could have left your butt out there in Egypt. We are called out by God. We are separated by God so we can build his kingdom. See, in Egypt, Israel had to build buildings for Egypt. They built buildings for the world. They built buildings where they served and worshiped false gods. They built buildings where they had orgies. They built, built this, this is why you got to come out of the world. You're building what the world is using to tear people down. And that's why... Israel had to come out of Egypt or the Hebrews, they weren't Israel at the time, had to come out of Egypt because what they were building wasn't godly. Now that we're saved, what we build should be godly. We're called out, my brothers and my sisters, by God. We're separated by God to build 
his kingdom, not denominational and personal kingdoms. Amen. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. Poema, which poem the word comes from. We are God's poem. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? For good works. You and I are saved not just to zoom to heaven, but to do some good works on the way to heaven. He goes on to say, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a work prepared before you got saved. A serious work. God is doing a great work, a great work. He's doing a great work. Let him do a great work in you. Let him do something good through you. Aren't you tired of the devil using you? Nobody said yeah, but one person. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, hmm, the church of the living God is God's workmanship. <laughs> We are his new creation in Christ. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians, rather, 5.17. We are God's new man. <laughs> We've been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. We have been renewed. We are being made to look like God intended us to look when he first created us. Write this down. Turn the corner again. Almost finished. Our, the church, good works are based on truth. It's important you write that down. Our good works, the church, our good works are based upon truth. First Timothy 3.15 again. But if I tarry long that thou should, mayest know how thou shalt behave thyself in the house of God. Know how to behave in the family of God. Some of us old school saints remember growing up and you wasn't supposed to fight your brothers and sisters. You get beat up. That's your sister. That's your brother. Now y'all just let each other fight. That's not how you behave in the church. Somebody ought to ask somebody for forgiveness. Somebody when I finish, when I finish, need to call somebody and say, I'm sorry. You my brother, you my sister. I, I shouldn't, we shouldn't be fighting like this. We shouldn't behave like this. This is the family of God. Hmm. He goes on to say, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Somebody say the pillar and ground of the truth. So truth, God's truth. <laughs> you know, Jesus is being about to be crucified. You know, uh, uh, Pilate, I think it was Pilate. He, he, he said, what is truth? You know, people don't, you're one of the people that think there is no truth or truth is subjective. That's your truth. That's my truth. That, that, but that's not biblical. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. If you're a Bible believer, I'm going to show you with the Bible. If I can't convince you with the Bible, then you don't have faith and you probably ain't saved. So truth is found only in the church, in the family of God. This is why we have to be changed. This is why we have to renew our minds every day so we can walk in truth and not stuff your grandmama said that you believe or stuff you heard somebody lying or, or a fairy tale you believe. 
See, the family of God, we are the people of God. We're filled with his word and his spirit. That's how come we possess the truth. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the Jews which believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Indeed, it's the word. Verse 20, 32. And you shall know the truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. We got to stay in the word in order for the word to change us so we know what the truth is. John 15, 7, if you live in me, the word, Jesus says, if you live in the word, if you live in me, because Jesus is synonymous with the word. So if we live in the word and Jesus says, and what I say, the word lives in you. If we live in the word and the word lives in us, what he says lives in us. Jesus said, then you can ask whatever you want and it'll be yours. But only if we live in the truth and the truth lives in us, because then what we'll ask for will be about the truth and build the kingdom. But if you don't have the word in you or enough of the truth in you, you won't know what to ask for. That will build the kingdom. John 17, 17, Jesus speaking again. He says, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Separate us. Cause us to know we're not normal, ordinary sinners because the word has separated us. The truth has sanctified us. This is why you have to stay in the word. So again, Paul tells his spiritual son, Timothy, that the church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the truth. What does that mean? That means the church is the great upholder of the truth. The church is mm, the church is not supposed to promote politics. We are not the great upholder of political views. We are the great upholder of God's views. Write this down. Pillars hold things up. They keep them elevated. Keep them straight and upright. That's what pillars do. The ground there means the foundation. The foundation of the truth. The foundation is what every structure is built upon that people want to last. If you don't want anything to last, you don't, don't build a foundation, just build and the earth will just, it'll just move, it'll fall apart. So the pillar, follow me to the board. This is the pillar, this line here. And of course, it's not straight because I can't write perfectly straight without assistance. This line is the pillar. Remember, the pillar, pillars hold things up. Keep things balanced. Keep things straight. This is the ground or the foundation. The foundation should be flat so you can build on it. This is called a right angle because in between the two of them is 90 degrees. I got this from Elder James, who was a carpenter as well as so many things. 
This is a literal right angle. You cannot build anything straight without a right angle. Because what you build will lean. It'll lean. It'll buckle. Now, but what is at the intersection of both the pillar and the ground is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, and we'll see that in a minute, is called the cornerstone. The cornerstone in ancient times was laid first and it was straight and it was placed where everyone knew which direction they wanted east and west to face and north and south. The cornerstone made sure everything was straight, level and plumb. Nothing, again, can be built Properly, You can build some stuff, but you can't build it properly without a right angle. Isaiah 28, 16 reads, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. My, 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 my. He that believeth shall not make haste so you don't we don't build anything in haste when you see buildings going up the larger the building the longer it takes to build because they're not rushing to build it so why is this important everything mankind builds must use the right angle of the truth you got to use the truth and so the church is the example or should be the example of what is true. What is a sure foundation? What does that mean to you? That means when you got saved, self-included, when we got saved, we didn't get saved and then we left right away. Because this is sure. That means when you and I got saved, we don't mix Islam and Christianity and call it Chrislam. Mm-mm. I am a Christian now and forever. And how I govern my life and how I build my life is based on the truth of God's word. So you have to know the word to build your life properly. Going to church and say you're a church member does not make your life line up. This is why your marriage ain't straight because you're in church, but you ain't living by the word. That's why your children's jacked up because you came to church and bucked and shouted, had a good time, but you didn't make them live by the word. You thought just coming and bringing them was going to make them know the word. No, just you bringing and coming them, <laughs> coming them. You bringing and making them come just made them mad, especially when they saw you go home and throw the right angle away. Wait, I thought we were supposed to be living by that. You said, amen. You ran around the church. You broke your heels. But you ain't live nothing. You didn't give me an example of what's straight. So I went to school and they told me I was gay and I believed it. 
You got to tell your children they're straight. You got to tell that boy, you're a boy, you're going to be a man one day. Here. Make sure you line up with the word. Got to tell that girl, you, you're pretty beautiful young. You, you're going you to be beautiful one day. You might need some extensions and stuff, but you're going to be all right. Just because her hair ain't going to let... No, you're a boy. No, you're not a boy. You're a beautiful girl. I'm going to do your nails now. <laughs> Make sure you're straight. Make sure the truth is in you. Because this world will mess you up. You ain't going to come to me at 12 talking about, I think I want to be a boy. Hell no. Hell's in the Bible. Don't get all upset. Don't come to me telling me what you are. I carried you. I know what you are. They, they, they told me what you was going to be before you came into this world. No, you're not going to change. Uh-uh. Let me get out this right angle and put you straight. Set you straight. See, without the church being straight, how can we get everybody else straight? If we're not using the right angle of God's truth, how are we going to be all right? How are we going to tell the world to get straight? And we ain't straight. Without the church being a right angle that the world can use, everything man builds is skewed, crooked, leaning, and ready to fall at any moment. That's why we got marriages that are ready to fall apart, families that are falling apart, communities that fall apart, businesses in the community because no one wants to use the church because the church doesn't know who we are. We don't know what we're supposed to be. You too busy wanting to learn how to prophesy. You too busy coming to church hoping you can get your husband. Yeah, I said husband. Ephesians 2.20, my God. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So now we see even the apostles and prophets are another ensample of a right angle. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles could be one line and prophets another line. It doesn't really matter. The apostles are probably foundational and the prophets are probably the pillar because of the up and down hearing from God and bringing revelation from heaven to man. That's how we get built up. We don't get built up by dogma and personal opinion and what you think the scripture says. That's not what builds us up. The apostle Paul, again, wanted Timothy to know how to teach others who would eventually come into the church. And maybe this is a, this probably is a fundamental or foundational teaching that needs to happen to everybody that gets saved. Now that you're in the church and you are the church, this is how you ought to act. This is what you are, the family of God. You are a right angle that you need to learn how to live right because people are watching you now that you've joined the church. And if you're still living like everybody else out there, they don't want you.
By understanding who and what the church is, we come to understand how we are to live as part of God's family. Truth is what we're built on, and truth is what builds us up. Write that down. Truth is what we're built on, and truth, and only truth, is what builds us up. Lies will not build you up and make you more like Jesus. It'll make you more like the devil. That's why we don't lie to each other. Say amen. You ain't going to sneak that by me. I'm going to deal with every lying spirit. You may not have a roach bomb go off. But you need to stop lying to people. If you saved in the family of God, stop lying. You got to lie. Why lie? Just don't say nothing. That really ain't the remedy, is it? Get delivered. So you can speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. I already went there. We're rather speaking the truth in love. We may grow up. Love. Speaking the truth in love is what enables us to grow up. Lying over the pulpit and tuning up. That ain't helping you grow up. It's only speaking the truth in love. It's only getting the right angle of God's word being said to us that enables us to grow up straight and strong. Don't be coming to... Listen, stop telling people what you think God means because you're trying to be deep and you really don't know the answer. And, 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 and listen, saints, listen, listen, please. I'm going to say it this way. Grow up to the point very quickly, very quickly, where you stop just saying, well, this is what my pastor said. So that's like needing your house repaired and you stand there with the homeowner and they expect you to know what to do. And you run into something and they say, well, how much is that going to cost? I don't know. What are we going to do? Well, a friend of mine said we should do this. What do you mean a friend of yours said that? I should have hired him if you don't know what to do. It's time to know what to do, saints. It's time to know what to say to the world, saints. Who else is going to tell them the truth? In love. It's only by speaking the truth in love can we grow up in every way into him who is the head, which is Christ. Only by speaking the folk don't folk don't want the truth. Folk want to feel good. Folk want to be amused. We shouldn't lie. Flatter or manipulate one another in the body of Christ. Can I say that again? We shouldn't lie to each other. Let me say it another way. We need to stop lying to each other. We need to stop flattering each other. You know, um, you know, maybe you shouldn't wear that suit, bro. You know, I, I. 
you know, maybe it's another suit you, you should wear. Don't tell that brother he looking good and he don't. You know, you flattering him because he giving you a ride and you let you just, you know, all the kind. We got to stop doing that. You, you need to be strong enough to say, I, I may not get a ride with you for a while. But you don't look good in that. We need to stop lying, flattering, or, and or manipulating each other. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't, watch this, behave that way in the church. Because the world is watching us. The world is trying to put, trying to build something. And they don't know how to build it because we ain't building each other right. You know, because we got, we got people saying, preachers saying, yeah. You know, we in the age of grace. God know you ain't perfect. Listen, hear me. Never forget this. Even though we're not perfect, we should strive to be. I mean, come on. Listen, don't be lazy and then be happy about it. You know, the prophet prophesied I was lazy. I just knew I received all that. Are you kidding me? You're happy to be lazy? Being a part of the family of God and doing kingdom business is serious business. It's serious business. Let me, let, me, let me finish this. Everything you and I do for God, we need to be extremely serious about it. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. But you're going to know I'm for real. I'm serious about this. I don't I get up here and rub three scriptures together and, and then give you a message. I don't get up here and say, oh, where's my Bible? Can you get, oh, where's my iPad? We sit up here 10 minutes trying to figure out what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. You ain't ready? Serious people are ready when it's time to go. So if you usher and be ready, don't be walking up here, pulling your coat off in front of people while you're trying to see them. Be ready. That's how we know you're serious. If you're always late, you ain't serious. At least I ain't taking you serious. If you show up every now and then, you ain't serious. This is how we behave or are supposed to behave in the family or the house or the church of the living God. So, could it be, could it be the reason the world was in the condition it's in, could it be a revelation to us of how crooked we are? Say la. Could this be why government is so crooked? Because they have no example in the church. Could it be why business is so crooked? Because church ain't doing business straight. Could it be why institutions are crooked and fighting each other? School boards are fighting over masks. It's amazing. It's, it's just absolutely amazing that people that live together used to love each other is fighting over masks. Coming almost to fisticuff blows over masks. School superintendents are resigning. Maybe we need to look at ourselves. 
Maybe this is a big part of what Corona is supposed to help us stop and say, what are we doing? That's serious kingdom business. And what are we doing that's entertaining people? Everyone stand on your feet, please. Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.15, if I am delayed, I want you to know how you ought to behave yourself. How you ought to conduct yourself and the business of your God. Because you are his family. Think about that whenever you do anything, now that you're a believer. Because every single thing we do is serious business to our God. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, help us. Stop playing with something so serious. Help us grasp the seriousness of who you are and us being your family. Help us grasp the seriousness of the hour that we're in. That we can no longer play games like children in a marketplace while business is going on all around us that we play no role in and want no responsibility in doing. Help us recognize we are the church. We have been given gifts and talents and anointings that we simply must use to help straighten out everything crooked that's around us. That's why you called us that's why you separated us from the world. That's why you anointed us and appointed us so we could do kingdom business. I thank you tonight for the seriousness of the call, the seriousness of the anointing that is on the lives of every believer that's in your family. May we discover it. May we wake up. Matter of fact, may we go to sleep thinking of how, about how serious it is being a child of God. And may we wake up every day after getting in your word and let your word get in us so we can be a right angle on our jobs, on the train, wherever we go, we represent what's right and good in your sight to a crooked and perverse generation. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.